0: Welcome to Explore Purpose. My goal is to inspire you to live a life of meaning and purpose so that you can make a greater impact on the world around you. Hi, my name is Conrad Weaver. I'm your host and excited to be sharing this new content for you. I'm very grateful that you stopped by to listen today. Did you know that you can be a part of spreading the message of living with purpose and meaning? One way you can do that is to leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or, or wherever you listen. This helps me reach more people and hopefully inspires them to live a life of meaning and purpose as well. Thank you for doing that. Today, I'm really excited to introduce my guest to you. Dr. Bernard Franklin has been my neighbor for the past number of years. He moved here to our town to take a position with Mount St. Mary's University as the vice president of student life. And we've become good friends over the past few years. Dr. Franklin recently moved to Boston, Massachusetts where he is currently a fellow with Harvard University's Advanced Leadership Initiative. And we'll learn more about that in just a few minutes. Previously, he was special assistant to the president and assistant vice president at Kansas State University, as well as the vice president and urban director at the National Center for Fathering, where he was on the cutting edge in establishing education programs for urban men. Dr. Franklin was presented the Vision Award for his pioneering work in educating men on the importance of fatherhood by the Morehouse College Research Institute. He was also honored as the Kansas City Royals Father of the Year in 2006 and served as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs counseling team. Needless to say, I'm honored to have him here on the program, especially on this day as we honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So here is my conversation with Dr. Bernard Franklin. Well, Dr. Franklin, thank you for joining us here at Explore Purpose.
1: Conrad, it's my pleasure to be here with you and to have this probably a probably, um, conversation we've been trying to have for a
0: while. <laughs> it has been. So God
1: has purpose, as we will talk here in a minute. But um, I, I believe this is divine and ordained. So uh, I, I've been looking forward to the conversation.
0: Yeah, for our audience, tell Tell us a little bit about who you are and, and how you've gotten to where you are today.
1: Well, you know, you have to go back. You have to, at least for me, I do. I have to go back to the beginning. Um, my parents were sharecroppers. They picked cotton in rural Oklahoma, um, just south of Tulsa in the country. Um, and I tell students, um, because I don't think we know poverty, mm-hmm. we know what we see in the streets or what we see in the neighborhoods, but that much of that is government assisted. That's not what we had years ago. And I and I recognize that there are many levels, especially back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, there are, are white people who went through the Great Depression and suffered in similar ways. Uh, but ours is a little different in that my parents picked cotton on white landowner's land owners mm-hmm. land. And they had whatever the landowners would allow them to have. And oftentimes it was carcasses um, from goats or um, cows or pigs. It wasn't always meat. Um, So my parents learned how to scavenge and learn how to survive a squalor's life. Mm -hmm. And I was born in that. And there are parts of it that I do remember. Um, a bath once a week uh, in the summertime, You not, we didn't sleep in the house because there was no air conditioning. Mm. Um, chickens pecking at your feet because there was enough space in the wood slats in the floor for them to peck up at us. Um, you know, just things that I, I think a child would remember mm. about um, that time and that space. We moved from there. My parents, like many poor people, moved to Wichita, Kansas. Wichita was the air capital of the world. Beach, Boyne, Learjet, Cessna uh, were all there. And so my parents moved there for a better life. Um, I graduated from high school, went to K-State, and at K-State, I found my voice. I found who I was.
0: Out of coming from that background, what motivated you to seek that college education
1: conrad i didn't have a choice there was no motivation um poor people will put in their young people that you're gonna live a better life than we did Uh, and that's what i heard oldest of seven my dad and my mom said college 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 their concept of college was doctor Mm. and but i knew i was going to college it was just a matter of where um, so I went to K-State and no, again, no choice. You, 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 I knew I was going, um, but I found my voice. And what I mean by that, uh, it, I discovered first semester that being a doctor was my parents' dream. That wasn't mine. But I tried it uh, as long as I had physiology that first semester and they rolled out a cadaver and said, you will know every blood vessel, every bone, every muscle, and I said, I can't do this to somebody's dad. I can't carve this man up. Mm-hmm. Um I, I I survived maybe half the semester. Then I said, you know what, this isn't me. And I need to go find my purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I did, um, and I and I would suggest even for those listening, if you're still trying to discover your purpose, there's a test called Strong Campbell, which helps you understand your personality type and what you are gifted at and what you are motivated toward, S-T-R-O-N-G, Campbell. And my strong Campbell uh, exam, my results showed public speaking was my number one, which I already knew I I, I enjoyed that. But my number two was social justice and law. Um, And so again, uh, what I received from that was confirmation that I could pursue those things that I knew already turned me on and excited me, but it weren't necessarily the things that my dad or my mom directed me toward. Mm-hmm. And so I did some things at K-State, left, um, went to work for at and um, which is a kind of a stray from where I was, but I think when we talk about purpose, we do stray sometimes, but then the sure. path leads us back.
0: Mm-hmm. So going back to what was your parents' response when you didn't go the medical route? They were not
1: happy. (laughs) They were not happy at all Um, because they were really one track. For poor people in the 50s and 60s, there was only one way to have a high income, and that was to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. Maybe lawyer, but doctor for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And at least doctor in um, my neighborhood and in my community uh, was, was the highest regarded you know the doctor mm-hmm. in the community he had high regard and high position and high respect and so for their son to say no this isn't it, it was i i'll never forget their disappointment um but i think they really worked hard at trying to support what they thought their son was going to do
0: mm-hmm. so so what did you do for at and uh
1: great question i worked in their training program Um, and managed uh, an airline account. Some of your listeners will remember Trans World Airlines, Mm -hmm. TWA. Their home um, office headquarters was in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And so I managed a TWA account. Uh, It was good work. It it was fine. um, But my soul stirred because Mm -hmm. I was not in my
0: purpose. Mm -hmm. So that's very different from where you are today. Yes, so what was that journey like from from working for an airline or working f- for an account for an airline to where you are today?
1: Well, well sometimes some of us need hard lessons. We need um, things to put us back in perspective and I and I say AT&T wasn't because AT, AT&T was my first job out of college. Mm-hmm. It was high income. Mm-hmm. And for a poor person or a person who has poor background, you're drawn. I was drawn to the dollar. Yeah, sure. I was drawn to what was then probably at and Apple, Amazon. Yeah. Uh, ATN, AT&T was America's premier mm-hmm. corporate organization. So what 19, 21, 22-year-old wouldn't want to go mm-hmm. and work? Um, my younger brother... Um, asked me second or third year into the job if I would drive with him to Atlanta because dad was upset that um, my second brother didn't want to go to Kansas school. He wanted to go out of state. So we drove and um, his roommate was Martin Luther King III, Mm -hmm. which was another one of those opportunities where I felt God was saying, okay, this is the track. Um, And I'm going to show you this track by being so dramatic about it, Uh, just kind of putting it in your face that um, this may be some of that social justice and some of that purpose that I might have for you. So anyway, my brother was good friends with Marty. I became good friends with Coretta Scott King. Um, And that was a good relationship. And many things happened since then. I found... Uh, a voice and work in higher education, married, and my wife died in 2004, uh, which again was one of those, looking back now, one of those ways that God said, okay, I need to hone you just a little bit more for purpose. Um, And so I know at some point we're going to talk about how does suffering and pain bring us to purpose, but there's points where you throw up your hands and say, God, I can't do anything else. I don't know what else to do. I'm so burdened. I'm so, I was parenting four children um, and president of the Urban Community College in Kansas City. Um, I, I I had so many plates spinning. There were just moments when I said, okay, God, what's my purpose? You know, what is this for? Um, and and slowly, you know, he begins to show you. Mm-hmm.
0: And in that process, you were also part of the uh, an NFL organization.
1: There are many things that some of us have opportunities to get involved in. Um, and so, yes, I was a therapist for the Kansas City Chiefs for about six years with Marty Schottenheimer, Gunther Cunningham, and Dick Vermeel back in those days. Glorious opportunity. This was also the period of promise keepers. Mm-hmm. And so I had high visibility working with um, Focus on the Family, Mm -hmm. Dr. James Dobson, and working at the National Center for Fathering. Mm -hmm. So all of that was all related um, in that package. Uh, But again, it was life-giving, purpose-giving. My master's and research, my master's and PhD work has been around boys and men's development. So that's how I got to the Chiefs was understanding. I've never played football. Sure. You want to ask me that question. (laughs) Um, But I have a good understanding of boys and men's development. Mm -hmm. And so Marta Schottenheimer asked if I would come on staff because the young men were not going to the white uh, female therapists that they had. Mm -hmm. And they really needed a dad. Um, and someone who could talk at their level. So that was a great opportunity to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. How do these, the, the different paths in life, I mean, how do you figure out your purpose in when all these different opportunities come your way? Um, again,
1: some of the opportunities can be... Um,
0: Are they a distraction?
1: They can be distractions. They can be paths that you personally take. Um, because they are high visibility, or they're high dollar, or they give you some internal. And uh, for some of us, again, as I was saying at the beginning, sometimes God has to really bring us to our knees, where we begin to say, okay, God, I've been sidetracked. I've missed my purpose. Um, I've gone another direction. Bring me back. Bring me back. And so he just has that ability, if we will allow it, uh, to bring us back to purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. So for the past number of years, you've been here at Mount St. Mary's University here in Northern Maryland. Uh, tell me just briefly about what that, uh, that work experience is like. What do you do here?
1: Yeah, so um, I have to put it in context. My wife died six months before my wife died. My mother died. I'm the oldest of seven. I think oldest children have okay. a special bond and relationship with their mother. Mm-hmm. So my mother's death was excruciating. Mm-hmm. But six months later, my best friend, and mind you, I don't say that in a trite way. I hear a lot of men describe their wives as their best friend. But when you look at their relationship, you you cross your eye and go, well, I don't know that that's a best friend. Mm-hmm. My wife was my best friend. Um, she worked, tirelessly to support me while I was working on my PhD. We moved. She never batted an eye. She was just great support. She passed. And then three years later, my younger brother, not the brother who was King's son's roommate, he passed away. Mm-hmm. He was my college roommate. He was my best friend growing up. So I had three significant people who passed in a three, uh, four-year period.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: That's God saying it. Man, I, I need to really hone you in on some things. I converted to the Catholic Church, primarily because my faith experience, uh, if you understand some African American traditions are very noisy, mm. um, very demonstrative. I would go to church and by the time service is over, I'm more anxious than when I mm. first arrived. And I began to realize I needed to find a quiet space and the Catholic church introduced me to meditation and contemplation, so I converted. So that was um, part of my reasoning for coming to Mount St. Mary's University was I wanted to learn more about my Catholic faith and my Catholic tradition. Um, and I've had the, that opportunity, uh, but this has been a little bit of a different environment um, because it's um, about the city itself is about 90, 95, 98% Caucasian, Mm -hmm. which I've never lived in that uh, much of a Caucasian community. And then the university is going through a lot of changes. Um, So it's been a a deep personal experience being here, um, but I have a great sense of preparation and not dismay, Mm -hmm. not feeling um, wasted time, if that makes sense. Um, purpose. God has purpose. Sure. And every stop on the journey, there's something to be gained from that purpose. If we allow ourselves to be teachable, to say, okay, God, what am I to learn? So here, I I have really worked hard at not letting my environment impact me. And everybody's not going to understand this in a, in a short time that we're on, on this um on, on this, having this conversation. Um, but some environments can just make you angry mm-hmm. and make you upset. And you do more harm to yourself than the people you're upset with. Um, if they don't speak or they don't wanna talk or they have an attitude, or I hear them call me the N-word, they're on about their business. Mm-hmm. And I go home, I'm mad, mm-hmm. I'm upset. And it was like, why am I upset? Why? Why am I not saying, okay, God, what's the lesson here? And oftentimes the lesson was, uh, I got some anger issues. I have some patience issues. I have some judgment issues. Um, I have uh, some expectation issues. Um, And so God has used all of those issues to say to me, um, I want you to be my man. I want you to be my person. And I don't want you to frame your life on how others treat you or how others respond to you i'm your father and i'm the one you draw life from um and so i've had you know i've had to sit and and be with that because as you know i live alone mm-hmm. and i have lots of time to be with my father in some really special ways
0: how have the events of the past number of years impacted your thought process impacted your connection with, uh, people around you in, in the community. And you mean, I'm talking all that- about the black lives matter, the whole, the whole issue, you know, racial injustice. How have those things impacted you and impacted your purpose?
1: Yeah. Well, um, Conrad, I wasn't expecting that one. Um, part of my response now, um, an emotional response. And part of that is because I've been isolated from my community and I've not been in a place where I could have these conversations. Um, And so to have a conversation here about George Floyd would be different than a conversation I would have back at home in Kansas City or even if I were with new friends or friends in D.C. or in Baltimore. Um, Many of my white friends They don't view that scene and that scenario in the same way. And so the disconnect that I have experienced has been quite a challenge. But again, God goes back to say, I'm your sufficiency. I'm your hope. Um, I'm your life. Um, You don't have to draw life from other people. You can draw life here. So I have a great sense of personal deepening if that makes sense. I haven't had to rely on my culture for my identity or for my thought process. And so I'm able to go to God to say, okay, now I don't understand what all has happened, but I don't need to let a few white officers make me think that all white policemen are out to get me, if that makes sense. I think America has some great reckoning to do, and there's a lot that we need to work on. I'm wanting to hear my purpose even in that. Uh, And so part of it is I'm leaving here to go to Harvard because I'm concerned about the wealth gap Mm -hmm. and the fact that we see poor people getting poorer. In America, the 1% of the wealth, the wealthy own more than the poorest population in America. I mean, so there's that huge disparity there. And part of it is, you know, I'm looking at it also in a faith context. Um, This is not how God defined us to live and exist, that the wealthy would get more Mm -hmm. And we would just disregard, and so we're having these conversations coming out of COVID about whether or not we should pay people a dollar or two more. I mean, it, some of it is—it's
0: kind of ludicrous, isn't yes, it? <laughs> yes,
1: yes. So you you ask yourself, then, what's my purpose in coming out of COVID and coming out of all of this reckoning? How do I find purpose of that? Mm-hmm. And so where I'm at now, I'm not going to Harvard because I need another stripe on my resume. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an opportunity to really do some good work and do some good research at a time that I think it's really critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so purpose for me says right now, let's take all these 30 some plus years that you've had and let's really begin to focus on how can we help poor people and how can we bring to this conversation, this this work. So, So part of this, Conrad, and you and I haven't talked about this part, part of where I've been, God has shown me, he's given me favor with wealthy people, mm-hmm. but he's also kept my heart with poor people. Mm-hmm. So I balance, and mm-hmm. many people say that, you balance so well in working with poor people, but yet you have wealthy friends. Um, and so I, I have this opportunity to go to Harvard, one of the premier learning institutions, and I want to hobnob, I want to rub shoulders, I want to learn, but I also want to get to the poorest parts of Boston mm-hmm. and talk with those people and give them a sense of hope. Because here's a man who came from nothing mm-hmm. and now he's at Boston and he's from Kansas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about you know, how is what you do and who you are the same or different?
1: I've had to come to that, Uh, I think we talked earlier. Uh, I've been sidetracked by a number of things. And I know part of it um, is I'm African American, I'm PhD. And so I might get more opportunities than a lot of other people. Um, But where I'm at now is more selectivity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not going to Harvard because of Harvard. Mm -hmm. I'm going to Harvard because God has provided a way And I'm clear about that. I am so clear. Now, 20 years ago, I might have just jumped at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this has been a prayerful process. I've had, um, I submit to a team of spiritual directors Mm -hmm. who pray with me about choices and decisions. Um, You talk about maturity. You're mature when you turn your life over to people who you think or who are uh, spiritually mature. Hmm. And I'm okay with that because I don't always see my blind spots. I don't always see um, my ego. I don't always see my pride. And so these men can say, no, I don't think that's right for where you are now. But we all have agreement that God's opened the door for, for Harvard, and I'll show you how. Um, the tuition for Harvard is $75,000. And most of the participants in the program are Fortune 500 companies, or government leaders from around the world. They can afford 75,000. I can't afford 75,000. So I explained that to Harvard. Without missing a beat, Harvard came back and said, we're gonna reduce your tuition to 7,500. Wow! A 90% reduction. What that said to me and to my uh, spiritual directors, God's in this. Mm-hmm. And Harvard is a place that doesn't do those kinds of things. It doesn't have to do those mm-hmm. th- sure. kinds of things because wealthy people can afford it. Mm-hmm. For them to say, we're gonna do this, there's purpose, there's meaning, there's God in this. And so I go with that. I go with that confirmation that I'm supposed to be there for some purpose. And I'm eager to find that out.
0: Mm -hmm. Was there a moment in your life when you were going down a path and you were lost in your purpose? Oh, sure. You were lost.
1: I would think after my wife died,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, parenting four kids, president of the Urban Community College, and feeling like everybody needs a piece of me. Mm -hmm but I didn't know who I was or even what, God, what God's intent was for the death of my partner. Um, we were pastoring an urban church. We had come to a place, the church had two or 300 people. Um, we were a non-traditional church, meaning I didn't dress up. Hmm. I wore jeans. Hmm. Our music was sort of jazz. We wanted people who had come to a place where they didn't like church. Hmm. They didn't like being all stuffy and dressed up. We always had a meal after church, not donuts, kind of. Like <laughs> we had a meal. We had wow. a feast. And so we fed people. Hmm. It was so to have God take my wife in that, it was really hard. Hmm. Um, and so for a while, I did lose purpose. But what I w- was able to see, my kids... Were my purpose, Hmm. but I wasn't really willing to allow that fatherhood to come forward.
0: Hmm. How did you figure that out?
1: I have an adopted daughter who desperately needed her father, and uh, she spiraled out of control. And I ended up leaving the community college so I could take care of her. Hmm. And I realized that's what God wanted all along. But I was too in my head and too, too too, focused on, God, I want to be big. I was named one of the 100 most um, influential African-Americans in Kansas City. Hmm. Um, some of us, I, I keep coming back to this, some of us battle with the distractions. Hmm. I'm one of those. It's easy for me to get lost in the accolades hmm. and the stuff. And God has to yank me and say, Bernard, I'm trying to do something over here. Your daughter needs you. Um, and so I, I left the community college, put her in a home for troubled girls, and then homeschooled her her sophomore year hmm. and then put her back in school. Hard. Sure. Hard. Wow. But I had to do it. Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel? Initially, uh, dumb, stupid, a uh, whole lot of things. But then after I saw her calm down, then I realized the purpose. My purpose in that moment was to be her loving dad and to be at a place. um, Adopted children sometimes can easily feel they've been abandoned by their birth mom. Mm -hmm. And if they lose their adopted mom, who's there for me? Mm -hmm. And so this girl was really screaming out for consistency, dependability. And I'm all over the Kansas City, I'm all over the map, I'm not available. And God said, Come on, come on back, come on home. Um, this is what is needed. And so once I understood that, it, it, was, it was There's hard lessons to learn. It's hard lessons to learn. And 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 some of it is some of it is male. Men tend to, tend to think our purpose is outside the home. And sometimes God says, No, but I want your purpose to be at home. Hmm. Um, I want you to stay home. It was hard hmm. that year to find my purpose every day helping my daughter with her lessons hmm. when I'm used to leading three or four hundred people in an organization outside of the home. Hmm. but but the the other side I, and I shouldn't be so critical, the other side is I've come to realize I am teachable
0: hmm. once, how important is that?
1: Oh, it's very. Right. You have to come to a place where you say, okay, God, I hear you. And not just keep kicking against the goat. You got to just say, mm. okay, I give up. I'm, I, I need to find where where is that I'm supposed to be right now? And, and that's the other piece I would say. Purpose can change. Mm. Direction can change. God has something for us mm. now. Um, But that might be totally different in a year. It Mm -hmm. might be totally different in five years. Um, But I think as men in particular, we need to find what is my purpose for today Mm -hmm. and not let it be monetary-driven, accolade-driven, pride-driven. What's my purpose today?
0: And then live that purpose out. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's so hard for us that it, it takes pain and suffering to sometimes get our attention. We're fallen <laughs> people.
1: Uh, we're, we're broken, you know, some of us. Uh, I do go back because so I do get this question sometimes. Being born in squalor was not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, my parents didn't understand good parenting and squalor, it was survival. Mm -hmm. So I never really got to know the personhood of my dad. Um, I had dad issues. Um, I probably still have some dad issues. So I think for some of us, learning what it's like to be real men can be a life's journey because we didn't have it from our dad. And so what I hope I'm giving to my sons, to my three sons, is a sense of security, a sense of purpose, a sense of definition that I didn't get from my dad. Hmm. Um, I, I tell myself, let me make all the mistakes so that my sons don't make them.
0: Hmm. What are some of the key principles that drive you or motivate you?
1: Now, uh, it, it is purpose. Um, and. You might think or your listeners might think I'm just saying it because that's what we're talking about. Uh, There's been enough along this journey and enough things that I'm not even talking about that would bring me to a point where I don't want to be out of purpose. I don't want to be out of my destiny. Um, There's too much unhappiness. There's too much um, uh, not living in peace. Uh, So every day I pray for what's my purpose. I think, Conrad, if I were to be totally honest with you, that's how I've stayed here, Hmm. is God, what's my purpose at Mount St. Mary's and in Emmitsburg? Um, Because there's purpose even in a painful place. There's purpose in that. And so we we live, I live each day to find my purpose. Mm
0: -hmm. And it's not been an easy road here, especially the last couple of years during COVID and all the stuff that you have to do.
1: but there's purpose, yeah, and we have to dig in sometimes and find
0: purpose. What you're looking back at your time here at Mount Saint Mary's, and just for clarification, you are the vice president of
1: student- vice president president for student life.
0: So, so you're we're in COVID, we're in two years of you know COVID stuff. What have you learned about yourself during that time?
1: Oh, that's a good question. How resilient I am. Uh, I I think most of your listeners who are in some level of education, your wife included would understand, before COVID, we could pretty much work five days a week and pretty much count on it being somewhere seven to eight hours. In COVID, you carry it home. Hmm. In COVID, you work weekends. In COVID, you're reading, you're trying to keep up with, you're trying to understand what do I need to be ready for on Monday morning? So it's not really a, a weekend of rest or even renewal. It's, it's constantly thinking about COVID. But what I've learned, and maybe because I'm single by myself, I've really learned I have more resilience in my father than I really thought I had mm-hmm. um, daily. So again, a, another ritual. I get up about an hour before and I pray meditation for about a half hour, 45 minutes, walk my dog. And even in walking my dog, that's communing. Mm -hmm. So part of my walk is processing what I just read or saying, God, I just read some truth that you gave me. Uh, Would you plant that in my heart today? Plant that in my spirit so then when I get back to the house and I get back to work, I don't forget that word. Um, so I I've really learned resilience and I've really learned how to dig in deep.
0: And what have you learned about uh, since your daughter came to live with you for a number of years? What did you learn about that experience?
1: Parenting's <laughs> never over.
0: <laughs> even with adult even children, even right? with adult children.
1: Um Yeah, but getting back to what I was saying before, um, my daughter has needed me. And that's probably the primary reason we're here. Also, is that the university said they would pay for her education. And we're pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. So to get expensive education as part of your financial package uh, was a Mm -hmm. no-brainer. We were coming here but to watch her grow and develop and to, to know that part of it is because she had me 24 uh, seven. The good part of being here in a small community is her dad's not distracted. Hmm. She came home every day and she had her dad. Mm-hmm. It's a hard lesson. Folks, I admit it, uh, I'm a hard headed one. But when I get it, I get it. When I learn my lesson, I learn my lesson. <laughs> and so I learned my lesson that God wanted us here. She got her degree this past May. She's living in uh, Virginia. She's she's soaring. I mean, it's just wonderful to watch this broken girl before we got here, now living on her own. <laughs> it's So it's amazing. But uh, much of it, I, I have to say, Um, has to do with where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And and I'll say this and I'll stop. I can't tell you how many male friends have said to me, why do you still parent her? And why did you take her with you uh, to this university? It's as if some men think our lives and our careers are more important than our kids. I've been there, but I'm not there now. Mm -hmm. Um, My daughter needed me. Yes, she was adopted. Yes, she's biracial, but her pain was so severe um, that she needed somebody to stand in the gap for her. And I'm just thankful that I had enough sense to say, OK, God, whatever it takes, let's go.
0: And my wife and I have had the privilege of knowing her and having her here in our home for for meals and right. just you know, just enjoying that uh, that fellowship. So it's been amazing to see her blossom. Right. What are some, and we've talked a little bit about this, but. What are some of those big life lessons that you've learned along the way that have impacted your journey?
1: Oh, uh, you know, big life lessons would be um, probably around just managing my own ego, um, getting out of God's way, recognizing that um, some of the people that you and I read about Eat and sleep and put on their pants like everybody else that I don't need to be all been out of shape because I know the King family and I can call Marty. Uh, Those things mattered, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, But they don't, they don't have the same significance. And I say that because uh, in our first year here, our second year here, people have said, Well, why don't you just call Marty King and move to Atlanta if Mm -hmm. Emmitsburg is not what you want? Well, I could do that, you know, Mm -hmm. but I would miss purpose. Mm -hmm. And so part of what I've learned uh, here is that that whole resilience factor, waiting on God, waiting on purpose, allowing God to do what he's going to do so that he can open up your Harvard door. Mm -hmm. If I had been kicking and screaming, I might not have never. God, this, this opportunity, but for the grace of God, here we go.
0: How often do we kind of muscle our way through and make our own decisions and 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 not wait to hear that voice? Right. To, to we God wait to, on,
1: we muscle our friends, hmm. you know, and say, "Oh, well, I know so-and-so and, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so can get me in here. Well, you know, God can take you to the backwoods of Maryland <laughs> and to a no place and say, okay, now what are your friends going to do for you? Mm-hmm. Um, this is more about what can God do for you to restore and to heal. So mm-hmm. it's been good.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you say to that person who is per, perhaps not a person of faith? And and we spoke about how God speaks to us a lot, and I and I believe that in my heart as well. But what would you say to that person of, that who doesn't believe? What would you say to encourage them?
1: Well. I- I believe to some degree we believe in something Mm -hmm. and when we get to a place where life is so hard there there are quotes or readings there's something that we have to find to hold on to you know I'm not I'm, I'm not one that judges where people find their hope and where they find their strength and their encouragement if it's Buddha, if it's um, Confucius, if it's, you know, wherever. um, My point is dig into it, get it. um, And then allow that to bring you to a place where maybe you can hear from the divine one. You can get it. Um, I think part of, I, I guess the other piece I'm trying to say is sometimes... I think Christians can be so judgmental that we don't recognize the God of the universe has a way of getting all of us. No matter you listener, wherever you are, He has a way of getting us to where we want to be. And so I am. I don't. I don't have an issue with people who don't believe like I believe. They can still be my friends. Mm-hmm. And and so I. I what, so my point is. Find those streams, find those places that really give you purpose, that really speak to the deep parts of you, um, and let go of those other things that don't. Let go of alcohol, drugs, and whatever ways that you satisfy the, the deep human parts of you. Allow your your spiritual side to be developed. Uh, spend quiet time. There's a quote that I really like. The world speaks loudly, but God speaks quietly. Hmm. And so however we define God, we got to find those places where we can hear in the quiet moments. God speak to the deepest parts of our heart. And he always wants to. He's always there. We just allow this noise to keep us from hearing it.
0: Mm -hmm. I I saw a video this morning with, with Oprah speaking about hearing that little voice in your head and how... You know, how that guides your your purpose and your journey. Right. I think that's very true. Right. I think God speaks to all of us in some way.
1: Right. So I'm here in Sojourner, is it Sojourner Truth Territory, the Underground Railroad. Mm. And I recently read that story because there's an um, Underground Railroad Museum in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, here was a woman who listened to the creek. Mm who listened to crickets, who listened to the wind. And it was that mystical, spiritual place that guided her to the next place, to the next stop, to the next. And she told Frederick Douglass, I never lost a passenger. Mm -hmm. And so what that has done for me is to say, Bernard, how well do you listen? Mm -hmm. And what are your methods of listening? And are you quiet enough that you can hear God speak in the wind? Hmm. I mean, isn't that incredible yeah. that you can hear?
0: And we're look, we're in such a world full of noise. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Everywhere. All around us. Yeah. And we don't just stop and say, okay, what is this moment saying to me? What is the situation saying to me? Yeah. or this person who makes me upset, what, what is this saying to me? Um, how can I stop and just say, what am I to learn here? Mm-hmm. What am I to gain from this instead of being mad or angry or
0: not seeing,
1: or how do I just take a walk? Mm-hmm.
0: What's something practical an activity that, uh, I can do that will help move me toward exploring or discovering my purpose.
1: The first thing is being open. Um, Don't think you know it. Um, Too often we go at it thinking we have some idea of what our purpose might be. And we might have a clue, but it could be totally something else, something far away. And so what I would suggest is go in clean slate I brought with me my journal. And this has been another part of what I've learned here in Emmitsburg um, is that there's too many times I've missed things in the past, um, but I'm I, I carry this around with me and I'm always journaling because there's something to be learned in every aspect of our lives. And so I want to capture it. Mm-hmm. I want to capture something. So this is what I heard from Sunday service. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. You know what that says to me? He knew me before I was born. Mm -hmm. He knew me before the foundation of the world. I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. I'm not clueless. I'm not purposeless because he doesn't create globs. Mm -hmm. He creates purpose. And so he chose me. Before the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. I need to go find my purpose.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I need to get up from here. <laughs> yeah.
0: What's the future look like for you?
1: I don't know. Mm-hmm. One day at a time. So I'll pack up from here. I have to be in Cambridge on January 10th. I know it's changed. And that'll be another point. Maybe we'll talk at some other point. Friends have said, why don't you retire? Retirement is a... Late nineteenth century concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, our grandfathers, our great great grandfathers, our great 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 great—they
0: didn't have retirement.
1: They didn't have an option, right? No,
0: had to feed themselves.
1: So, why do I give up learning and living? Mm-hmm. So I say that to say I'm eager for this new journey. Mm-hmm. I'm eager for this new challenge. I want to see what happens in a year if we're able to impact or have this conversation about how do we bring poor people to a standard of living and 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 I'll close my comment i think i think if we're aware enough we should be seeing the devastation of poor people not having by the young people who have gone into nordstroms and are stealing mm-hmm. bags and purses or even here in baltimore the guys that are backing up to convenience stores mm-hmm. and taking the atms When poor people don't have, poor people will take. And I think the more we struggle with how do we take care of poor people, the more they're gonna say, we're not waiting for government to do it, we're just gonna go get it. That's where we are. Mm -hmm. And so I don't mind having these moments when I say, okay, God, is my purpose to have conversations in those areas? Uh, If it is, help me to take my blinders off Help me to take my pride off, but give me purpose and those door open those doors so
0: that I can get in and have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And those are some challenging conversations yes. to have. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, my uh, my prayers are with you thank as you. you embark on this new thank journey. You. And uh, I just want to say personally, thank you for your friendship. It means a lot to have you here and to be able to have you in our home and experience experience. Uh, just a, a bond.
1: Can I come back for cheesy grits?
0: You can come back for cheesy grits anytime.
1: <laughs> you have to explain to your listeners. What cheesy grits are. They won't get that um, one, especially people who don't eat grits. Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but it has been a pleasure to get to know you, you and to have you, you here. And thank you for uh, thank you. being willing to come and talk on this program today. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank
1: you, sir. Yeah. I appreciate
0: you. I want to do one more thing. Oh, uh, Actually, two more things. I want to read to you a quote that I yes. found today, and I want you just to quickly react to it. So this is a quote that I found by Howard Thurman. You probably know who he is. Yes. It says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what, what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive.
1: Do you understand or you know that Howard Thurman was one of the heavy influences to Dr. King? They did not know that. I didn't know that either. That's what's uh, being shown to us of late that um, Martin uh, found him and took him as one of his spiritual guides and spiritual director. Um, I I especially like that quote um, because I think that's where we are. And in a sense, you know, I don't want to speak too far ahead of God, but I feel like, in some ways, that's where I am, I feel more alive Mm -hmm. uh, than when you first met me, Mm -hmm. when I first arrived here. Uh, It's like, I think I've stepped into my purpose, or I'm Mm -hmm. stepping into Mm -hmm. that purpose, and I feel more alive and more energetic. I'm gonna go for it.
0: Hmm. Well, I can't wait to see what happens. I can't either.
1: So I'll come back in a year, and we'll have this conversation. conversation.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Franklin. Thanks for taking time to share your purpose journey. I'm really excited for this new opportunity for you and look forward to our conversation next year to see what took place over this past year at Harvard. Hey, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. I'd love to hear what you thought about the show, and I'd love to hear how you are living out your purpose and be sure to follow us on all socials instagram and twitter and now even on tiktok so check out all the links in the show notes and until next time go out and make an impact by living life with purpose and meaning thanks for listening and i'll talk to you again next time on the explore purpose podcast